planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey, everybody. It's Los. Welcome to week, uh, I guess we're recapping week 11, heading into week 12. How nuts is that? November 19th? Do you believe that? I don't believe it. Yeah, this uh, this season's been flying by, and hopefully you are well positioned to make the fantasy playoffs because they're going to be here in just a couple more weeks. Yep, keep on pushing, keep on getting there. Heck, if you're if 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 you're in that eight nine seed range, you've got a chance. Keep on fighting. Yeah, and I just uh, I need a big big night tonight from both Tyreek Hill and Robert Wood. So we'll see how that goes. That I think we're primed for uh, for fireworks out of those two guys. That's for sure. Yeah. Speaking of Brandon Cooks, just broke a big play. So hopefully uh, Robert Wood's turn is coming up. There you go. Are you uh, are you primed to make the playoffs in your leagues? Um, in yes, in one league, I think I'm in third place right now, and in another, uh, in a, in our dynasty league, I'm I'm making a push. We'll see what happens. I need a couple things to break my way, but I'm trusting the process all the way to the bank. You're uh, you're clawing your way up the ranks, that's for sure. But uh, I'm getting there, I don't think through you're gonna pickups through drafting. That's that's how you make it work in a rebuild, my friend. Yeah, and your team's coming on strong. Uh, a little bit scary, but uh, I'm not I'm not too scared. My team's doing okay as well. Well, yeah, you're you're a you're a you're a juggernaut. Well, it it takes time, but uh, speaking of juggernauts, uh, guess who's uh, leading the NFC North right now? Uh, I think it's yours, mine, and ours, Chicago Bears. Uh, that is correct, and you know, I briefly, briefly considered having Ben Roethlisberger as the Gillette close shave of the week, but I just couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Not when Mm-mm. not when we had a hometown hero this week. <laughs> so, for this week's Gillette close shave, it was an NFC North showdown with the Vikings traveling to a frigid Sunday night football game in the Windy City. It was a defensive slugfest on both sides, and even though the Bears had led most of the way, the Vikings clawed back in the fourth quarter, scoring a touchdown and a two-point conversion to make it a one-possession game with less than five minutes to play. The Bears drove down the field, though, and handed the reins to kicker Cody Parkey with the score at 22-14. After missing two extra points and two field goal attempts a week ago, Parkey had practiced alone out on the cold soldier field grass for two nights during the week. Parkey had already made two field goals earlier in the game, but this 48-yarder was the longest and most important of the night. The ball never came near a goalpost this time, traveling perfectly down the middle of both uprights and pushing the Bears' lead up to 11 points. Though the Vikings scored another touchdown, the two-possession lead forced a failed onside kick, and Parkey's field goal proved to be too much to overcome. Get your close shave like Cody Parkey with Gillette, the best a man can get. Want to try blades for less? It's easy. Just choose the right blade for you, order conveniently on the website, by email, or by text, and your blades will get shipped right to your door. Start today and get $3 off your first order. 
always fun to have a Bears player in the uh, in the like close shape player of the week. Always fun to have a close win. Um, I hope they just start dominating, though. I don't want any more close games for the Bears. Just win them out. Get to the playoffs. Get that. Uh, they'll probably get the three seed with the other crazy teams in that division in that conference. And uh, and let's go. I'm ready for the playoffs. Yeah, and the Bears will have another test uh, pretty quick uh, because they are our first game this week as well that we're going to preview. That's right. Three Thanksgiving Day games this this uh, this year. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Enjoy your time with your families. Please be thankful. Please enjoy football, and please be safe on the roads tonight. Before I know, I I know you guys can try to can uh, like to get a little bit rowdy just uh, just be safe um here's your pre-turkey lunch game 12 30 p.m eastern 11 a.m central chicago at the detroit lions uh, the bears won a fun moment one at home versus the vikings go bears and we might get more fun this thanksgiving versus the lions uh, they they just faced each other two weeks ago and i don't really see a reason for them to change their game plan all that much it worked for them I do expect tougher coverage for Allen Robinson with Darius Slay healthy this time. So I'm fading him to a low-end wide receiver, too. Anthony Miller is an upside flex. He exploded versus Detroit last matchup. He had a touchdown again this week. Um, Trey Burton's a boomer bust tight end one, just like most of the other lower-end tight ends. And I think Cohen has, uh, has a fine running back two week with Jordan Howard probably being okay. His floor is kind of low right now. Um, I don't expect the short week really to affect Chicago much here as they just prepped for Detroit two weeks ago. Film study and packages are not going to change much. Um, just lather, rinse, repeat, and take home another win. Yeah, this is a matchup that the Bears should win on paper, especially with Carrion Johnson likely out from a knee sprain, and we're not sure yet if Marvin Jones is going to play either, but uh, it may be a little closer than we think simply due to the fact that the Bears are playing on a very short week here. They just played last night. And they're not just playing Thursday, but Thursday morning. So really not a whole lot of time between games. Uh, you know, we, we don't often think too much about the physical recovery that these players go through, but uh, it does take a toll on their bodies. So we'll see if that affects anything. Uh, that said, Trubisky remains a mid-range quarterback one here in fantasy. Very good matchup here. Uh, and we've seen that even in bad matchups, Trubisky's rushing gives him a decent floor. Uh, he had 14 points against Minnesota despite throwing for fewer than 200 yards and two interceptions here. Uh, of course, Detroit's rushing defense has been very good lately, so I, I don't love Howard here at all. Uh, I would expect similar results for the running backs as two weeks ago, as you said. Uh, not a whole lot has changed here. I, I like Cohen as a low-end RB2, given his involvement in the passing game. Uh, but against the Lions' stout run defense, Howard's just a boomer bust flex here. Uh, just a little bit of upside if he can punch in a short goal line touchdown. Uh, as for the wide receivers, uh, we know Miller had the big game against Detroit two weeks ago, but I would expect the Lions to adjust their coverage a little bit to account for him now that they know that he's a big threat. Uh, I actually think that Miller and Robinson are both wide receiver three options, but I actually prefer Robinson here over him. Uh, Gabriel remains that boomer bust wide receiver four. Uh, I do think he has a chance to boom, though, after being held scoreless a couple weeks ago. And then Burton, uh, he's still high in tight end two despite logging only one catch against Minnesota. Uh, by the way, Adam Shaheen, uh, it sounds like he had a concussion on that one play where he scored the two-point conversion. So uh, certainly this helps Burton a little bit this week. Uh, however, I would say to keep an eye on Adam Shaheen for the rest of the season, especially in deeper leagues. Uh, the Bears showed against Minnesota that they have specific pa packages 
where Shaheen could be matched up one-on-one in red zone situations. So I could actually foresee the situation kind of turning into a Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron kind of duo for fantasy purposes where it's going to limit both of their production a little bit, but Shaheen might actually have more touchdown upside as we've seen from Ebron and Jack Doyle here. Certainly would not be uh, an ideal case for fantasy players adding another uh, tight end committee to the mix. Uh, As for the Lions, they somehow beat the Panthers at home. I'm expecting not quite as good uh, good of a showing here. Galladay is a wide receiver too. He's the best player available on the offense this week with Carrion Johnson likely out. Um, and that's with or without Marvin Jones active. Um, if he does play Carrion Johnson, I do think he's a high end running back too. He's getting a, a lion's share <laughs> of the work here. He's still getting <laughs> in on passing downs. You're welcome. Um, but if he's not there, uh, Blunt's going to plod for, you know, 20 yards behind nine carries as, as Khalil Mack and company trounce on him. Um, Theoretica probably if Blunt's, if, um, if Johnson's not playing Riddick'll Riddick will be a usable running back three or flex play for sure. Um, Bruce Ellington actually saw nine targets this past game, but I do not expect that trend to continue. Uh, I actually, I'm, I think I'm higher on Riddick and Ellington, uh, than you are, but, um, we'll start with the quarterback position here. Uh, even at home, I don't love Stafford as more than a mid-range quarterback too, maybe even lower. We saw Cousins struggle enough <laughs> against the Bears last night, and I don't know that Stafford's going to do a whole lot better, especially without on Johnson taking away some coverage with the run game threatening. Uh, Stafford hasn't put up 20 points in a game since week four, and he's averaged just 14 points per game over his last six games in fantasy. So... With Johnson likely out, we're probably going to see more Riddick and Blunt, as you said. Uh, but the, with you know Blunt's probably going to have a stat line, something along the lines of you know what you said, nine carries for twenty yards, something like that. So just a desperation running back five here. Uh, I do think Theo Riddick has a lot of PPR upside with possibly garbage time in this game. Um, he's a mid-range flex play, but I could see him you know being in the top fifteen running backs when it's all said and done this week. Oh, okay. dang. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of potential for garbage time checkdowns here uh, because if you recall, Carrion Johnson got a lot of short throws and catches and, you know, in point per reception leagues, that's huge. Um, you make I, a great point. You absolutely do. Yeah, so he's taking over, you know, he's going to have his own usage plus, what uh, you know, a good chunk of what Johnson had, I'm assuming. So uh at, at running back or excuse me at wide receiver here uh we really don't know a whole lot with the bone bruise about marvin jones his knee uh, he's a boomer bust flex if he starts but again as you said los uh, galladay is startable here as a wide receiver two low and wide receiver two high and wide receiver three with lots of upside uh galladay continues to demonstrate that incredible physical ability making some amazing catches against the panthers and um you know he's gonna be a bit boomer bust but we've seen that boom uh, and going back to Bruce Ellington, uh, you know, you don't seem to love him much, but I think he's interesting rest of the season. I have him stashed in a couple of deep, deep dynasty leagues since he signed with Detroit. Um, Bryce Callahan's been playing well in the slot, so I don't love Ellington this week necessarily. But as with Theo Riddick, I think there might be some garbage time potential here for Ellington and PPR. He's a, you know, he's a boomer bust wide receiver four. And then he's shown shiftiness, too, in the past uh, when he played for Houston and San Francisco. And the only thing that's really limited him so far have been a lot of injuries. 
Of course, if Michael Roberts is back from that shoulder injury, I would definitely avoid Ellington uh, as he may lose some targets to Roberts if that were to happen. I think uh, I think you've made a lot of good points. When it comes down to brass tacks, I'm taking the Bears at uh, taking the Bears on the road for a happy Thanksgiving for all. Yep, uh, playing on three days rest on the road's a tough ask, but I think this Bears team can pull it off, especially given the two major injuries to Detroit's offensive unit here. Uh, I think Khalil Mack gobbles up Stafford. Give me Chicago. All right, uh, let's uh, let's get to our second Thanksgiving Day game, the pretend to help cook but sneak away mid-afternoon game, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 Central, Washington at Dallas. Of course, uh, Alex Smith went down with a leg injury. Colt McCoy came in and threw a touchdown on his first pass, an eight-yarder. Uh, this is a team that's still in trouble, and they will lean even more on Adrian Peterson if that's possible, more than they've already been doing. Uh, six, 16 carries, 51 yards, two touchdowns, just turning back the hands of time and he connected uh, uh, Colt, Colt McCoy connected with Jordan Reed who totaled seven for 71 and a touchdown. I'm still holding off on all the other pass catchers on this team, especially against the Dallas team who seems to be finding their way. Now uh, keep an eye on wh- whether Chris Thompson can progress and play this week. He might shake things up a little bit, but I'm actually not expecting him to show up on the short week. Yeah, this is just terrible news for, Washington fans and the organization in general, I mean, they've already had so many injuries this year. First, Darius Geis, their high-round draft pick, and then so many of their offensive linemen, and then now Alex Smith. So really, uh, you know, Adrian Peterson, if you owned him, he bailed you out with two goal-line touchdowns, but otherwise he got just 51 rushing yards on 16 carries. He's just a flex play for me against Dallas, and if I had to bet, I probably wouldn't expect another score here with the defense probably focusing on stopping the run game instead of the passing attack. Uh, You know, Colt McCoy just doesn't really scare any secondaries here, but the circle of life continues because with Peterson's likely decline in fantasy here, Jordan Reed may have new life with McCoy targeting him early and often. Uh, Reed bounces back to that mid-range tight end one status this week. He saw 11 targets against Houston, and Dallas is giving up a ton of fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Remember that giant game that Ertz had against them a couple weeks back? Um, And then finally, Chris Thompson. He's worth a look, too, as a PPR flex, assuming that Washington can't run the ball well. Um, If he comes back from those rib injuries uh, with Colt McCoy likely needing to check down almost as much as Alex Smith, he's probably going to see a lot of pressure from the defensive line. Um, You know, Thompson Thompson has that PPR upside, much like a Theo Riddick type of player. As for the wide receivers, uh, I probably wouldn't trust any of them for now. As you said, uh, Colt McCoy plus a bad offensive line, no time to throw, probably isn't going to turn into much production. Yeah, that would be a pretty empty Excel spreadsheet. Uh, As for Dallas, the Cowboys are on a bit of a roll. Zeke is locked in as a running back one, 200 more yards and a touchdown here. Dak managed only 14 points despite having a rushing touchdown on his own. Not good. Remains just a running back, uh, quarterback two. Uh, Somehow Amari Cooper managed only three catches and 36 yards versus that Atlanta defense. Uh, But I do think he keeps low end uh, wide receiver two value at least. They're doing their best to keep working him in. (coughs) excuse me um still no tight ends of note on this team in my opinion yeah especially with jeff swaim uh it was reported or just uh you know an hour ago that he actually broke his wrist so definitely uh really really no tight ends here um 
As for Cooper, uh, I don't have him as a wide receiver two like you do. He's just a boomer bust wide receiver three or flex play for me. Um, he's definitely seeing more targets than he was in Oakland, but the consistent production hasn't been there yet. Uh, it's almost like a Jarvis Landry situation. He's helping the team by drawing coverage and he's getting a ton of targets, but we just haven't seen that many big plays connect between him and Prescott. So until we see more, I just have him in that wide receiver three range. Uh, you likely have better options, hopefully. Um, I, I don't think anyone drafted Cooper in the first you know, four or five rounds. Beasley, uh, I think with Cooper drawing away coverage, like I said, he's still a wide receiver four with a little bit of upside in PPR. He can get you 10 points like a Willie Sneed or a Dammy, excuse me, Danny Amendola type if you're really hurting at wide receiver here. Uh, and as you said, Prescott's uh, rushing has kept him alive in terms of fantasy, but uh, just a high-end QB2. Washington is still a decent defense. Uh you know, but he's got upside because I'd be willing to bet that Colt McCoy and the Skins are going to give the Cowboys offense some good field position in this game. Uh, of course, Zeke, you're starting. I had him as a top three running back against a Falcons defense that's been terrible at tackling. Uh, right now, he's sitting at RB2 uh, behind just Barkley for the week, uh, even though Hunt and Gurley are still playing tonight. But. Uh, you know, you of course, he's locked in running back one this week after Washington could barely stop Lamar Miller. Uh, I am going to go ahead and take Dallas this week um, I, at home. Yeah, I think this would have been a closer call had Alex Smith not been hurt, but uh, I'll definitely yep. take the Cowboys here as well with a fair amount of confidence against Colt McCoy. The third game, Thanksgiving night, your post-Thanksgiving dinner food coma game, 820 Eastern, 720 Central, Atlanta at New Orleans. Hope uh, hope you don't sleep through this one, folks. Atlanta loses at home versus Dallas and will follow up with a nice dinner time loss to the Falcons. Uh, the matchup is very nice, though, especially he, uh, opportunity is here for a ton of points. Ryan's quarterback one uh, versus New Orleans. Jones had a third touchdown for a third week in a row. Hopefully he can make it four. Um, six of nine for 118. Sanu went four of six for 56 to Ridley's three of four for 32. And they are both upside flexes, while I do still prefer Sanu. Uh, Tevin Coleman remains a running back, two with eight carries, 58 yards, with three catches for 27. I'm betting on a touchdown for him this week. I don't think Ito has much a chance for success this week versus New Orleans. I'd veer to the wide receivers if you're really desperate to pick a flex out of Atlanta this week. And, of course, Austin Hooper goes four for 27. He's fairly divisive. I always lean no. Some say yes. <laughs> a real uh, real strong take you've got on Hooper there, Los. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to lean no as well on Hooper this week. Uh, the Saints just shut down Zach Ertz. And actually looking back uh, for the season, the Saints haven't allowed a single tight end to score double digits against them, even in PPR, all year. Um, definitely going to bench Hooper this week, just the low end tight end two for me. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, the Saints offense has been on fire, but their defense has been quietly playing very well as well. Um, I still don't mind Matt Ryan as a low end QB one here, but I don't think he's going to have a huge game. I, I don't see this as a huge shootout for the Atlanta side. Um, I do think Tevin Coleman will see enough passing game work to remain a viable running back three or flex. Um, Smith, just a boomer bust running back four. He's still seeing a lot of carries, but I would expect the Saints to lead most of the way here. Uh, of course, you're starting Julio, and then uh, I'd agree with you that I, I prefer Sanu the most of those wide receivers over Ridley uh, if you're going to pick a flex play here. 
As for the New Orleans Saints, the Saints went full on berserker mode versus the defending champions. Sean Payton clearly had a point to prove, and he proved it. Now he gets a great matchup versus Atlanta. Heads will roll here. Breeze is a clear-cut quarterback one, 360 yards and four touchdowns. Kamara gave you over 150 yards combined with a touchdown. Michael Thomas, four for 92 and a touchdown. Those are the no-brainers. Mark Ingram rolled off 16 carries, 103 yards, and two touchdowns. I guess he's an upside running back, too, here again in a nice matchup. Basically, to me, he's the Sammy Watkins of running backs, or, or maybe Sammy Watkins is the is the wide receiver of, of, of wait, maybe Sammy Watkins is the Mark Ingram of wide receivers. I don't know. They can, they can, have, they can tank you. They can have nothing for you, or they have three touchdown potential every week. Um, Traquan Smith, holy cow. A week after we said to avoid him, 10 catches, 13 targets, 157 yards, and a touchdown. He's definitely got the upside. He has the great matchup. He has the sadistic head coach. He has a weekly dice rolls upside. Points uh, points will be between 3 and 30 for him every week. I just don't know where between that that's going to fall. Uh, I can't take that much of a risk this close to a playoffs with a team that I'm trying to get into the playoff with. Uh, into the playoffs with. But if you're like a top two team, you've you've already maybe got the buy or you're pushing for that buy. He could be the exact type of player you slide in there sneakily and rack up a million points because points do matter when you're talking about those late playoff seedings. Yeah, the uh, the only thing to keep in mind here with Traquan Smith, uh, he actually didn't practice today with a foot injury, so just oh. something to monitor. Um, oh, not good. Certainly, still, a, you know, a boomer bust flex here if he plays. Uh, it doesn't sound too serious, so we'll monitor that situation throughout the week. Um, other than that, though, what's there to say about the Saints? They're they're the hottest team in the league right now, and with Sean Payton showing no mercy, he's calling for passing plays for touchdowns up thirty points. <laughs> Uh, you know, there, there's no risk of them benching uh, their starters if they get up too much right now. Uh, you're, so you're starting all your Saints, Breeze, of course, Kamara, uh, Thomas. Um, and then, you know, I said a couple weeks ago, hopefully you listened on the show, I said Mark Ingram was one of my biggest trade targets, a guy to buy. Um, had some really good matchups coming up. I uh, was sure to have a few blow-up weeks, so hopefully uh, you, you trade for him if you could. Um, I do agree, though. He's just still just a mid-range RB2, still a little bit boomer bust there, as you said, uh, with that Watkins comp. Um, and then, you know, but really the Saints' schedule is a, a cakewalk for the rest of the season. So all the cylinders are firing on offense. Uh, you're starting all your Saints in fantasy, and you're not betting against them here. I'll, I'll take the Saints at home. Lock it in. Absolutely. I uh, take the Saints as well. The only thing I worry about is if, if Peyton does intend to do this where he's ru- running up a scoreboard over and over again, he's coming up against a couple teams with a couple old school coaches who are going to tell us, tell their defenders to, to put some licks on Drew Brees. They'll take a couple 15-yard uh, roughing the passer penalties, but I mean, it's it's about sending a message. This This does not bode well if this is going to be the recipe going forward, I don't think. It's just not smart in the game nowadays. I'm not too worried about that, especially now with the refs looking for that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, you know, they're they're erring on the side of caution. They're calling all these roughing the passer penalties when they've barely touched the quarterback. So I, I don't really, I'm not too concerned about that. Yeah. All right, Sunday, uh, the noon game Sunday, Jacksonville at Buffalo. Jacksonville lost in the dying seconds of the game versus Pittsburgh. Bortles completed 10 
uh, 10 of 18 attempts, and this is the game plan and recipe for their success. I know they lost, but they were really darn close to beating the uh, beating Pittsburgh on the road. Um, 41 rushes this game with Leonard Fournette dominating. 28 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown, plus two catches, with Carlos Hyde going eight carries, 44 yards, and TJ Yeldon even getting five carries, 23 yards, with three targets. The running backs are, are dominating on this team right now. Fournette is a running back, one this week versus Buffalo, and I'd hang on to both Hyde and Yeldon in just in case not all on the same team they're not must owns must handcuffs or anything like that but if something pops up with uh, with Fournette's hamstring they are still going to try and use these running backs a lot that's why they went out and traded for Carlos Hyde um, I would not start Bortles or any of the past catchers on this team Fournette ran a million times two weeks ago he ran a billion times this week he's gonna he's gonna run a trillion times against Buffalo this feat the week might just feature four pass attempts and Jacksonville will still win <laughs> Um, yeah, imagine if the Jaguars had even like a, like a Joe Flacco type of quarterback, just any kind of upgrade over Bortles where, you know, they would trust him to at least take a few shots, but it is what it is. Um, as you said, uh, love Fournette this week, he's going to keep powering through, uh, they're going to rely on him as the centerpiece of this offense. Uh, Yeldon's still flex playing PPR. He's working in there. He's, he's being used in some passing down situations here. Uh, but as you said, that's really it. This Buffalo Bills defense is pretty tough. Um, I, I guess Moncrief would be the guy, but Tredavious White is playing very well outside, so I don't see a, a lot of big plays here. I will make one note for Dynasty is, is that DJ Shark, uh, he was a guy I liked a lot preseason. He's been getting more and more looks in the passing game recently. Shark would be a buy for me. Uh, I'm assuming that Dante Moncrief is going to be gone next season. He's in Jacksonville on a one-year deal. And I can only assume that Jacksonville is going to upgrade their quarterback somehow. Yeah, uh, that's that's probably a good guess going forward. Um, as for uh, the Buffalo Bills, uh, I don't know who's starting at quarterback this week, but I don't really think it matters. Jacksonville's going to shut them down. McCoy's a running back too. That covers it. Uh, yeah, that's that's really it. Um, it sounds like Josh Allen's going to be close to ready to play. Uh, hope, hopefully, he'll be able to start, but. Really, you don't want any part of this passing game. It's just McCoy as a volume-based RB, RB2. excuse me. Um, and then just for deeper dynasty leagues, keep an eye on Robert Foster and Jason Kroom. Um, you know, with Allen back, they may take a few shots and actually get, uh, you know, some pr production, even if it's in garbage time. Uh, as for the pick here, I'm going to take Jacksonville, uh, only because I think Josh Allen throws more interceptions than Blake Bortles here. Uh, don't have a strong feeling about it though. I think this this game's gonna be a gross game to watch. Uh, kind of like the, the leftover mashed potatoes from Thanksgiving by the time this game starts. Yeah, I think Jacksonville uh, takes them pretty handily. I think that uh, their defense is going to shut down anything that uh, Buffalo has to offer, and Leonard Fournette and Carlos Hyde are just going to grind the game out. And in uh, this may be the first game, like this game may be over like a half hour before the other noon games. I think. Yeah, I could see that. Just running clock, running plays every other play. Yep. Uh, Cleveland at Cincinnati. This is a nice week coming for the Cleveland offense off the bye. Mayfield is a solid quarterback stream for Mahomes owners. Um, the Cincinnati defense is awful, and that leads to nice days, in my opinion, for Chubb, Jarvis Landry, and Dave Njoku. Chubb should be a running back, too. Landry should be a solid uh, wide receiver, too, in a PPR. Joku. Good, good a choice as any for a tight end, but I think especially good this week in a divisional matchup against just a terrible defense. Duke is a questionable flex play. I'd like to see it happen one more time for him of good production before I really lock him in. Uh, he might not be needed here versus Cincinnati. 
Yeah, Cincinnati, their secondary certainly gives up a ton of points to opposing wide receivers and tight ends, but I, I still don't love Jarvis Landry. He's been getting a ton of targets, but as I said with Amari Cooper, they're just not connecting. Um, he's, drawing, he's drawing the coverage, but the production hasn't been there, so still just a wide receiver three boomer bust for me here. Um, Cincinnati does give up a ton of points to opposing tight ends, though, so I like David Njoku as a high-end tight end two here. Um, and then if you're desperate at wide receiver, the Bengals have given up quite a few big plays downfield. Antonio Callaway is going to be a desperation wide receiver five who could surprise with a long touchdown here. Um, probably a better play for a DFS tournament, but um, worth a shot if you need it. And then as you said, Mayfield I like as a high-end QB two. certainly the perfect streamer if your quarterback is Mahomes or Goff. Um, and then Chubb, I like as a high-end RB2 with lots and lots of upside here. We saw Baltimore run all over in Cincinnati, and Cleveland's offensive line is just as good, if not better. Um, as for Duke Johnson, I think he's going to get a decent amount of targets here. Uh, it should be a closer game than it was when Cleveland led against Atlanta. So I have him as a PPR RB3 with some upside if the game stays pretty close. Uh, he's he's another running back we'll talk about in the waiver wire section because he's his ownership percentage is still pretty low given what's possible from this Cleveland offense. Um, and then finally, one uh, pretty funny uh, non-fantasy note that I saw online. Um, if you didn't hear, there's a report uh, that a source said the Browns are considering former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice as their next head coach. Um, this seems completely nonsensical, but I actually saw a comment on Reddit that's both hilarious and might actually make sense, at least for Game of Thrones fans. Uh, so here it is. The theory is that the Browns front office is trying to figure out who's leaking information uh, kind of like Tyrion Lannister did, telling different people, different head coach candidates, and seeing which rumor makes it to the news first to kind of find who's ratting. Um, the quote that I saw online was, See, I told Varys that I was giving the job to the Obamas. I told Littlefinger that I planned to give it to George Bush. I told no one that I was offering the head coach job to Condoleezza. No one but you. This, this is so... Cleveland like I I don't think it gets more Cleveland than this it's just such a such a washout of an organization they have no idea what's going on they're firing coaches left and right nobody wants to play for him LeBron hates the Browns and he grew up the biggest Browns fan in the world there's nothing that they can do in Cleveland right I just feel so bad for Baker Mayfield this is this is just (laughs) it's just so Cleveland yeah, it's. Uh, I, I just thought that was hilarious because uh, th- when when they put it like that, it totally makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. why else oh, would yeah. would they leak something so ridiculous? It's so crazy. It, but gosh, you know who? Hey, whoever called it the no fun league? This is fun. <laughs> I guess so. As for the Bengals, Cincinnati almost got by uh, Baltimore behind two hundred and eleven two touchdowns from Dalton. But I would avoid him this week versus a Cleveland defense that should be prepared for him. Um, Joe Mixon was bottled up 12, ca- uh, 12 carries for 14 yards, but scored the touchdown on a nice run. I guess that was the only nice run he had that day. Uh, he added three catches for three yards in the or eight yards in the air. Um, but he remains a higher end running back two with his pass catching ability. He's always got uh, got the talent to possibly break one off. Um, we'll need to see if AJ Green can get near practicing this week, but I am not optimistic. Uh, Tyler Boyd saw, t- saw 11 targets and turned in a wide receiver two day. 
That should remain close to that this week as well. John Ross added a touchdown two weeks in a row, but he's not seeing the target share I'd like to see with Green out. And C.J. Uzuma, I mean, I'm about done talking about him all altogether. But if he still exists, he still exists if you're desperate at tight end. Yeah, man, um, my optimism for C.J. Uzelma after Tyler Eifert's injury was probably one of my worst calls this year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of that, you pretty much summed up my thoughts on the Bengals here. Um, so I won't waste our time. Uh, I'll, I'll take Cleveland here, surprisingly, in the battle for Ohio. Yeah, I uh, I didn't think uh, anybody else would. The line is Cincinnati by the field goal, but... They're not looking good right now. Uh, Hugh Jackson's over in Cincinnati. He's probably going to be feeding them stuff about Cleveland, stuff that's wrong because that's how bad of a coach he was. That's how bad of a. That's how much he didn't have his finger on the pulse of this team. Um, I, I'm going to take Cleveland on the road. Believe it or not. Yeah, and and by the way, just to kind of sum up uh, both of these franchises, uh, I met a friend of a friend this week who's from Ohio. I asked her if she was a Bengals or a Browns fan. Uh, and she and she answered Buckeyes, so that's that sounds about right. Uh, although the Browns are on their way up, so we'll see in another year or two. There you go. Uh, New England at the New York Jets. Uh, monitor the reports as always, but the Jets don't have the firepower to sh- shut anybody down on this offense. If healthy, Sony Michelle is probably a running back two in a good matchup. White should still be a back end running back one. Uh, Gordon had some extra time to work with the team and should be a wide receiver two now. Edelman is a solid wide receiver, too. And the big question mark is Rob Gronkowski. I'm hoping we see something like Fournette's return after the bye, full health and full dominance. Either way, tight end across the league has been so brutal that even if Gronkowski scores only eight points for you, you'll be better than your opponents most weeks. Yeah, by the way, uh, Tyreek Hill just scored a touchdown. That's 13-7. This game is so good. And I, I don't Robert know why. Woods had one for you earlier too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And I was gonna say I don't even know why I was worried about Hill and Woods putting up twenty eight combined because uh, I'm not worried anymore. <laughs> no. Um, going to the Patriots here. Brady's a mid range quarterback one, uh, but I'm gonna disagree with how you have the running backs ranked here. I actually expect a dominant performance by the Patriots following this bye week and that embarrassment at Tennessee. Um, I like Michelle as a high-end RB2 that I'd prefer over James White this week. Um, I expect Michelle to get a lot of run. I could see the Patriots getting up big here and just running the ball down their throats. Uh, of course, I still like White as a mid-range RB2, but this week at least I prefer Michelle. Uh, Julian Edelman had an ankle injury against the Titans, but it sounds minor, so he should be playing. Assuming he does, he'll be a mid-range wide receiver two for me in PPR with Josh Gordon, a high-end wide receiver three with upside. And as you said, if Gronk can return, he's a mid-range tight end one. Uh, I, I don't have him in the top three, uh, but uh, you're not benching him unless you have Kelsey, Ertz, or Kittle. Uh, the hope, of course, as you said, is that he's 100% now like Fournette was when he comes back and just dominates. My only worry about uh, Michelle in the running game is, w- was there any... What was the most recent news on Rex Burkhead? Because I was worried he might be back this game and start to try and start chipping away at some of the rushes that Michelle gets. And and you know there there are few people that like Sony Michelle more than I do. Yeah, that is a concern. But I believe Burkhead is not eligible to return until next week at the earliest. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, my bad. As for the Jets, uh, a lot like Buffalo, we'll again need to see who's starting, Josh McCown or otherwise, uh, but I do not love anybody here. Too much uncertainty, too much badness all over. 
I'd stash Elijah Maguire, and he'd be my favorite play in a PPR flex off this team, but that is it. Uh, Herndon is a usable tight end like many others. Could be 15 points or could be two. It's just those two guys for me. Yeah, I had some notes written here about the Jets, but it's really not that important. So, <laughs> as <Yeah>. you said, McGuire's <laughs> a McGuire's a flex. Hernan's an upside tight end too. Uh, he, he has led the Jets uh, in receiving uh, the last few weeks. Um, and then Quincy Nunwa, he has some PPR upside as a wide receiver for in garbage time, but. Uh, really, that's just if you're desperate. Hopefully, you, you're not starting him outside of deeper leagues here. Um, and then we'll see about Robbie Anderson if he plays with the ankle injury, but I'd probably avoid him even if he's active. Uh, we don't know how healthy he is, and the Patriots uh, usually don't give up any big plays downfield. I will take the Patriots by, like, 30 points. Yeah, uh, the Patriots got embarrassed by the Titans before their bye. They've had two weeks to rest and prepare for this, so... Uh, rest in peace, Jets. New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles NFC East showdown, um, I think, for the basement of the division. Eli gave us 230 yards and two touchdowns on 18 attempts, 18 attempts versus Tampa Bay's horrible defense with Odell Beckham scoring and Saquon Barkley adding three touchdowns of his own. Barkley and Beckham are auto starts. Uh, Evan Ingram saw only two targets but gained 66 yards on them. If he can get more receptions, he could be a very solid tight end one, but it's just not happening yet for him with this new coach. Uh, the Philadelphia secondary is not very good, and Shepard has flex value this week. Yeah, as you said, with the bang, uh, as with the Bengals, you summed up my thoughts pretty nicely here on the Giants, uh, starting Barkley and Beckham. Uh, I do think Ingram's a tight end one this week with Kelsey on by and Jimmy Graham hurt, so he goes up a little bit in the rankings simply because we're missing those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but his target share, of course, you know, as you said, has been inconsistent. Uh, and certainly Shepard's a very high upside flex against such an injured Eagles secondary. I mean, they're probably close to recruiting high school players to fill in at cornerback <laughs> at this point. God. Uh, as for the Eagles, your Super Bowl defending champions, they uh, just didn't show up for the afternoon game in New Orleans. They decided to leave seven points on the board. Just horrible. What a bad showing these guys have been giving us all season. 150 yards and three interceptions for Carson Wentz, crushing his own owner's souls this week. Josh Adams was the top running back for whatever that is worth to you. He is probably a back-end running back, too, this week versus the Giants. Seven carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown, plus three catches on six targets compared to two rushes and two catches for Corey Clement and one rush and zero targets for Smallwood. So, uh Kind of surprising when they were down what felt like 90 points for the entire game, but I guess Doug Peterson's a man of his word, and he said that uh, Josh Adams would be seeing the ball more, and he saw the ball a heck of a lot more. Uh, The Saints completely shut down Zach Ertz, but he will be back to him this week. Don't be afraid. The wide receivers were just a mess and a half, but I don't expect New York to destroy the Philly game plan as much. Elshon should be back to a back-end wide receiver two, and Tate should be a usable wide receiver three or flex he did have the most targets this game, and he's uh, working into the system a little quicker than I would have thought. Yeah, this should be a big bounce-back game for all these Eagles players. Uh, you know, they just got crushed by New Orleans, but this is a nice little layup for them. Um, I like Wentz as a mid-range QB1 here. Uh, Josh Adams, uh, he was the lone bright spot for the Eagles' offense against the Saints. Um, he should be a decent flex play here with the Giants giving up a ton of rushing yards and touchdowns. Um, I agree with you on the wide receivers and Ertz here. You're starting these guys despite an awful Week 11 performance. Uh, you know, 
the Giants barely beat the Buccaneers at home. That's how bad this defense is. Um, I don't love their prospects on the road, uh, despite the Eagles' injury-ridden secondary here. Uh, I'll take the Eagles at home. Yeah, I don't think uh, any more injuries to the Philly secondary could make them any worse than they were already. They were already using all replacement-level players. I will take the uh, Eagles at home as well. San Francisco at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. San Francisco gets a week to prepare and a great matchup for their offense, but I'm not really that interested in what they have to offer past Kittle and Burita as a flex play. Uh, I just don't have much faith in this team. Mullins is too much of a wild card right now, though I would be fine plugging him in in a super flex or two quarterback uh, league. The Tampa Bay secondary leaves him plenty of opportunity. Well, I do have faith in this team uh, beyond Kittle and Brita. Um, <laughs> of course, you're playing uh, Kittle as a top three tight end every week here. Um, Brita's a nice RB2 here, especially with his involvement in the passing game. But I think Mullins is a fine high-end QB2 option, even in one-quarterback leagues. Uh, this is Ooh. a great matchup for him against one of the worst secondaries in the league. Uh, I mean, Eli Manning had one incompletion against the Buccaneers secondary, so... Uh, as long as Kyle Shanahan can drop a good game plan and Mullins can execute, then I think he's got a high upside in this game. Um, I also like Marquise Goodwin as a boomer bust wide receiver three, uh, a little bit more boom. Uh, the Bucks defense has allowed a ton of big plays on broken coverages, and Goodwin has a greater than 50% chance at a long touchdown in this one, I think. Wow. Uh Okay, that's a, that's a strong take right there. Uh, you just love San. You really, really like the 49ers, and I I can't for the life of me figure out why. Maybe you really just love San Francisco. I don't know. It's a, it's it's not a state that I've ever been to, so I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, honestly, here it's it's faith in Kyle Shanahan and his system. Uh, I mean, uh, he's he's always boosted quarterbacks uh, in real life and their fantasy value and. You know, his offense in general helps find the weaknesses, uh, you know, in both the run game and setting up play action. So not to get too, too far, uh, you know, down the rabbit hole here, but that, that's another reason I, I view Jimmy Garoppolo as a buy low candidate in Dynasty, too. Fair um, enough. As for the Bucks, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick got benched again. Just just hilarious. And Jameis Winston returned uh, with Winston starting against San Francisco. Likely he has definite quarterback one upside at home this week there's always a chance of him getting benched at halftime. That's just his upside. His downside is, you know, three interceptions, and we never see him again in a, in a red uniform. I don't think he will screw up enough here to get benched this week, but you never know. Evans is a, is, is a one, um, six catches, seven targets, 120 yards, and a touchdown this week. O.J. Howard got his groove back, five of six for 78. Adam Humphreys got another touchdown somehow. I'm not touch, trusting him, and I'm not trusting Brait Godwin or Jackson for now not Humphreys. Um, Peyton Barber had a good week, but is still a back-end running back, too, in a Lamar Miller vein. Actually, that reminds me, um, I found out after I, I was thinking about this, um, Jordan Howard, or O.J. Howard, actually did pull up uh, Gimpy uh, near the end of the game. So if he's not playing this week, I think this could be a big week for Cameron Bright for uh, people that are uh, tight and needy. Yeah, I actually added Braid to our waiver sec wire section. Oh, um, O.J. Howard uh, had a high ankle sprain, so it's uh, it's yeah, pretty that, unlikely that, that, that he's going to play this week. Um, you know, we have seen players come back sooner than expected, like Matt Breida, but not everyone's a freak of nature like Breida. Yeah, so. it's really only been him ever, and I still think that was the dumbest decision he could have made. 
Yeah, but uh, regardless here, I, I do like Brait uh, as a low-end tight end one. Uh, we've seen that he gets plenty of targets from Jameis Winston, uh, especially in the red zone. There's that chemistry there. So uh, like Brait a lot this week. And as you said, Winston's a risky start, but in theory, this should be a good matchup. Um, so maybe just like two interceptions for him. Um, <laughs> I have Winston as a high-end quarterback too, but I would actually prefer Nick Mullins here. Is that a bet oh. that you want to make? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, I, I think I think Nick Mullins is going to outscore Jameis Winston this week. I think Jameis Winston will outscore. You know, Winston has to start for this. For this. Yeah, the report though, is okay? that he is starting. Okay. If he doesn't start, then the bet's off. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you. <laughs> so you know, I, I honestly, although actually, he might have a better week if he doesn't start. Fitzpatrick gets benched <laughs> in the second quarter, and then he goes off because that's what these guys do. <laughs> That's certainly possible. Um, but regardless, uh, you know, that that's how much I like Mullins and how much I trust in Kyle Shanahan's system here. Um, of course, oh, I, I do love Evans regardless <laughs> of who's, you know, playing quarterback for the Buccaneers here, um, especially with O.J. Howard out and Deshaun Jackson. Uh, he probably will play, but he's not 100%. He did injure his thumb against the Giants even though he finished the game. Um I actually like Ann Pumphrey's quite a bit as a flex play here. If I had to pick a Buccaneers wide receiver, uh, it seems hmm. like he's been getting a lot of PPR work. Uh, but, you know, there's really been no it's true consistency. true the past three weeks, that's for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, as soon as we start to trust one of these guys, it seems like another one goes off. So they're all yep. still boom or bust, uh, almost like a Jacksonville situation. But, uh, you know, as, as Moncrief has been my pick for Jacksonville wide receivers, Humphreys is my guy here outside of Evans. Um, and you know that the the reason that i like mullins over Jameis winston is because i think san francisco takes this game whoa okay i will uh take the bucks at home we'll we'll see what happens yeah uh, just a quick update i've been catching up a little bit in recent weeks right now in terms of our picks uh, i'm at 105 and you're at 106 in terms of correct calls oh we're close yeah so this this will be one that'll uh, push me over the top i think this will help um seattle at well no that would just give us the tie wouldn't it well uh, we'll see we'll see some of your picks uh, for the rest of these games but i think uh, i do think san francisco will be able to take one take this one on the road all right seattle at carolina the carolina defense isn't scaring anybody right now uh, and russell slides in with a low-end quarterback one value uh, Chris Carson is leading the team in carries and is the back to go uh, go with for another week while Penny gains more uh, gains more steam. Uh, Doug Baldwin showed up for seven catches, 10 targets, 57 yards and a touchdown and sticks around as a flex play alongside his running mate, Tyler Lockett, who should be a flex here as well versus Carolina 5 for 571 last game. Ed Dixon snuck in the touchdown on a one catch, and there is some tight end susceptibility for this Carolina defense, but Seattle is using their uh, tight ends an awful lot like Baltimore. It's hard to say who will be the best, and they don't throw enough passes for me to look this way towards this team as a tight end. That is between um, him, Disley, and Vanette. Uh, Just not enough for me. Yeah, Vanette and Dixon are really just splitting snaps, so there's no consistency. You can't trust those guys in season-long leagues, but you know, as we mentioned, uh, you know, two, three weeks ago, Russell Wilson heats up midway through the season. He's always been a slow starter, uh, but the offense is coming together. He's a top five quarterback for fantasy right now. Um, you know, we mentioned Tyler Lockett, too, as a trade target. He's been a great wide receiver three with some pretty consistent conduct, excuse me, production here. 
Um, and then Baldwin, too, finally, uh, you know, got in the game, too. He's another high and wide receiver three. Uh, this offense is really heating up in general. Chris Carson, as long as he's healthy, uh, he'll be a running back, too, because he's getting that volume. Uh, of course, uh, we'll see how long he remains healthy. He's been banged up here and there, it seems, all year. Uh, and then, you know, I can't quit David Moore. Uh, I still have him as a boomer bust wide receiver for Russell Wilson seems to trust him on some of those big plays, big shots down the field, uh, as well as some red zone work. So uh, I think there's, you know, you can't rely on him, but I think he's got upside every week. I just wish, I just wish to see a few more passes thrown from Russell Wilson before I, before I can lean that way. It's just, like any week he's he's I mean, especially against this Carolina defense, they could run the ball as many times as as uh, Jacksonville and and still win the game. Yeah, that's true. It seems like that's just how Seattle wants to operate. And, you know, it, it sucks for Russell Wilson owners, but he's still a fantasy QB one. Uh, it's just that he has, you know, immense upside that we're not seeing. Absolutely. As for Carolina, they broke their fans' hearts losing to the Lions, opting to forego the tie score. In the final minute of the game, Cam Newton missed a wide-open wide receiver. Jairus Wright, four yards in front of him, just sad. They they went for the win instead of the tie, and they had things together. They had the momentum. They could have easily overtaken Detroit in overtime. Just just a disappointing game. I had some gut reactions to it, so I, I'm pretty down on Carolina right now. Um, they've, 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 you know, they're hurting me right now. I guess that's why they call, uh, Ron Rivera riverboat Ron. And he bet my house on it this week. Uh, Cam's still a quarterback one. Christian McCaffrey had another 15 plus point week and remains a running back one. DJ Moore went nuts seven for 157 and a touchdown. I wouldn't start him versus Seattle, but he is definitely worth having held on to, uh, to this point. If you did, if not, he's a definite ad here. Um, like we were saying before, I do think he overtakes uh, Funches for the one spot. Now, Devin Funches did see a fair bit of fair, uh, Darius Slay this past week, so that's why I think it would it will even back out a bit here. But maybe after this week and going forward, then DJ Moore might find himself in the in the solid wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two conversation. Um, Olsen is a tight end one yet again. He had one catch for a touchdown this week, just as good as any other guy. Uh, by the way, uh, if you're watching this game, I I didn't know that you could challenge pass interference. Oh yeah, that's uh, that doesn't happen very often. Um, no, no, it doesn't. But that's that's pretty interesting, and and it show it goes to show you how smart of a coach Andy Reid is, I guess. Um, yep. But anyway, uh, I'm gonna just a quick non fantasy note on Carolina. I actually, you know, I, I'm probably one of the few people based on Twitter reactions, but I don't hate that call. Um, clearly they had a play in, in place to, you know, win the game on the two point conversion. Uh, the guy was wide open. It's cam's fault. Not, not riverboat runs. Uh, he made the right call. Uh, it didn't work out, but I, I still think that he made a good call there. Uh, take that for what you will. Um, fantasy wise here, uh, of course you're starting cam Newton. Uh, he's a mid range QB one McCaffrey and RB one. Uh, and as you said, I do think DJ Moore is probably the primary receiving option at this point uh and i think he is startable if you really need him uh that doesn't mean he's safe uh, he's still a boomer bust guy uh kind of like a you know would you rather play dj moore or adam humphreys i would guess your answer is oh, more right because he still has week, more yeah, upside yeah, dj more yeah. yeah um so i think he is a startable uh certainly risk reward but uh you know go via condios on that one um greg olson mid-range tight end one and that that's about it here. 
this this is the toughest game of the week for me to pick. Um, we could see anything out of Carolina here, but I they're 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 favored at, they're favored at home here by a by a field goal. I, but I I just don't like what they're doing. I'm shocked at how good Seattle's doing. I think I'm gonna pick Seattle here. I, yeah. I think I just still have a bad taste in my mouth about Carolina. I might I might switch this on you midweek, but I'm going to take Seattle for right now. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think this is kind of a coin flip call on this game, but, uh, you know, Seattle's on a roll. They just beat Green Bay, and I'll take Seattle as well. All right. Let me go lock that in. Sorry. Uh, Oakland at Baltimore. Not a tough one to call here, folks. The Raiders got off a rare win versus Arizona, probably making John Gruden furious. He was smiling, but you have to smile after your team wins uh, when when you're on TV. Uh, Doug Martin looked pretty good versus the awful Arizona uh, rush defense before being pulled uh, 10 carries, uh, 52 yards. And Jalen Richard and Washington split the rest of the work pretty darn evenly afterward. I would only play Jalen Richard um, this this week of the three uh, here in Baltimore, I, if, especially if Doug Martin doesn't suit up. Baltimore's defense is still pretty stout. I expect them to clamp down on Doug Martin if he does play, but Jalen Richard will have uh, – or Richard, as the, uh, as the announcer kept calling him, which is pretty funny. I did enjoy that. Um, he'll be able to, to get off a couple passes uh, caught versus Baltimore. Uh, Brandon LaFell scored a touchdown and then promptly ruptured his Achilles. Um, not starting any wide receivers here, but Seth Roberts, who you talked about last week, is the only pass catcher left on this team if you're desperate for a deep stash in the coming weeks. And Jared Cook, well, he had a uh, he had a very Jared Cook day. He had a Jared Cook season's worth in a day. He caught a touchdown and he had two passes clang off his hands. So there you go. Uh, it's usually one or the other. He's a fine low-end tight end play, just as good as Herndon or Reed or anyone outside of the top five. It's just so ugly at tight end. I, I think I'm much higher on Jordan Reed than you are if you're uh, if you're putting him in the same tier as Jared Cook because I, I do think he's going to see a ton of targets uh, from Colt McCoy. But um, he ha- he's had a huge target share this whole year, thirty to forty percent of the team. He just hasn't turned them into anything. Well, apparently Colt McCoy was the was the fire yep. that he needed. So that's all he needed. Okay. I, I think I'm much higher on him, uh, like I said. But um, I just I, I can't get behind this Oakland team. The Baltimore defense has not been playing well at all. But I still wouldn't feel great about starting Derek Carr on the road here. Just a mid range QB two at best. Uh, I agree with you that Richard is the best play here of the <laughs> running backs, uh, especially Doug Martin's ankle banged up a little bit. Uh, it sounds like he'll be fine, but you know any little injury is going to help Richard get more work. He's been the best running back in Oakland all season, given his usage in the passing game, and he's actually been a fairly safe PPR flex. Uh, you know, week to week. Uh, of course, as soon as I say this, I just know that he's going to have like three points this week. Yep. Exactly. Um, but you know he has been fairly safe uh, had a decent floor week to week so i think we can expect like eight to ten points from him uh with a little bit of upside if martin does end up not being a hundred percent for this game uh that said you know baltimore does defend against the running backs pretty well and they also defend against tight ends pretty well uh but there isn't too much to choose from so i do agree that jared cook is still going to be in that low end tight end one area this week but Again, I think this could be another one where he drops uh, a few more passes here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Baltimore took care of the Bengals, and for all intents and purposes, they get a bye week plus stats here. Lamar Jackson rushed the ball 27 times, the most of any quarterback ever, I think. Just ridiculous. 117 yards with 150 yards passing. 
plus one interception, whatever. You take that with him. Uh, just wait and see if Flacco's around before going crazy putting him in your lineup. But if he plays, he will likely rush himself into real relevance here. Tyrod Taylor style, better than Tyrod Taylor, to be honest. Uh, Gus Edwards, yeah, uh, I've never heard of him either. 17 carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown, while Alex Collins had just seven carries, 18 yards with the touchdown, and Buck Allen just one carry. He is definitely worth an add this late in the season with their upcoming schedule, especially if Lamar Jackson remains in a quarterback. Willie Sneed got his usual eight targets. He's a deep flex play, but the other wide receivers are a strong avoid if Lamar Jackson remains in. Uh, just one catch apiece, and they have limited opportunity here. Limited is 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 a nice word for it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards could be league winners this year. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds like uh, you know Flacco's doubtful to play with that hip injury, but I think even if he's almost ready to go, you know Baltimore wants to see what they have out of their rookie quarterback, and I don't think we're going to see Flacco start unless Lamar Jackson really, really struggles. Um, I have Jackson as a high-end quarterback too. Uh, he has... Yeah, as you said, Tyrod Taylor's a decent comparison for him because he could rush for 150 yards a game, um, and that gives him a huge ceiling and a pretty high floor. So uh, I have him that high end QB two range. Uh, I would probably still start Nick Mullins over him, but uh, you know, uh, you never know. Jackson could have a big game again, and Gus Edwards, yeah, he's one of the top waiver wire ads here. He, I just out of nowhere, he overtook Alex Collins. Um, I, I don't know if the Ravens are just, you know, sort of seeing what they got in their younger guys. And, uh, but as long as he's the starter, especially with Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, running the ball and defense is not sure who to guard on any given play, uh, he's going to have some big games. Uh, Edwards is a running back too this week uh, with a lot of upside. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to gush too hard or or overstate this too much, but I would actually start him over both Mullins and Jameis Winston if I had the opportunity this week. Those 117 yards and 150 yards passing with the interception gave him 15 points. And that's, to me, I think he's got a 13, 14-point floor alone. He had zero touchdowns. That will change versus Oakland. Um, so here's what I would say. Rest of season, I absolutely want Lamar Jackson uh, out of those three quarterbacks. This week alone, I would take Mullins over Lamar Versus Jackson. Tampa. Yes. Yeah. Uh, give me Baltimore if it didn't sound like it already. Uh, yes, give me Baltimore as well. The Sunday mid-afternoon games, um, Atlanta, uh, Arizona, sorry, at the L.A. Chargers. Uh, this will be trouble for Josh Rosen and company. He threw two touchdowns for 23 yards to Larry Fitzgerald, as well as three for 77 and a touchdown to Christian Kirk this past week. I don't think L.A. has an answer for Larry Fitzgerald underneath in the slot, whereas I don't think Rosen will have much chance to make any big plays happen with Christian Kirk on the outside. Uh, Fitz is a solid flex play this week, much better in PPR. I just don't think Joey Bosa and company give Rosen enough time to make anything happen downfield. David Johnson's a running back one. He's been awesome since the coaching change. 25 carries, 137 yards with a catch for 17 yards. Ricky Seals-Jones only managed one catch for five yards, definitely near the back end of the lower tier tight ends. He could get lucky a couple times here. Look, uh, uh, lucky a couple times here with Rosen running for his life here from Joey Bosa, but I definitely expect uh, that to help DJ uh, uh, David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald more so than anybody else on this team. Um, so first things first, I, I lost our bet about Ricky Seals-Jones. I thought he was a lock to get 10 points. Uh, he got a ton of targets without Chad Williams two weeks ago and just didn't happen this past week. Um, 
That said, uh, I'd be willing to double down on another Cardinals bet this week. Uh, I think that Kirk's going to have a bigger game than Fitzgerald here. I think Fitzgerald has the tougher matchup in the slot. Let's do it. Sure. All right. All right. Um, and, you know, I, I haven't looked at the exact points for uh, Kirk and Fitzpatrick for our rest of season bet starting week Fitzgerald. seven, but I'd be betting it's pretty close right now. I don't think so. This was the only week that uh, – that they were close to each other and Larry still scored two touchdowns. All right. Well, I think, uh, you know, this week uh, we'll make some difference again, so we'll see. All right. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think Fitzgerald's a flex play. I I really don't love his slot matchup. We saw Emmanuel Sanders struggle this past week. Um, and then Kirk, uh, he's still a boomer bust wide receiver three. I do think we're going to see a little bit more boom here. Uh, I think he sees more targets in general uh, with Fitzpatrick kind of blanketed by King on the inside. Uh, don't love Rosen as more than a streaming QB two. He's a mid-range quarterback too. Uh, I definitely start him last out of all those guys that we talked about a little bit ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, David Johnson's been more and more involved in the passing game. Uh, he's running well. Uh, I think he's an RB1 this week. As for the Chargers, the Chargers lost to the Broncos after being favored by a whole touchdown. Very vintage Chargers of them. Uh, this game should be a feast for them. Uh, Rivers will draw an up, uh, upside quarterback two start. Allen is firmly entrenched in a wide receiver one role. Twelve more targets this past week. And while Arizona is a great secondary, just like I said last week versus Denver, the Chargers find ways to get Allen in good matchups and away from the top defenders, whether it be moving him into the slot or moving around the field and getting some sort of coverage uh, shifted away from a zone. Nine catches, 12 targets, 89 yards, and a touchdown compared to the outside guys. Tyrell Williams, two catches, six targets 22 yards and mike williams two of three for only 56 i expect similar days for all three this week maybe a maybe a copy paste the big surprise was antonio gates turning back the hands of times adrian peterson style five catches eight yards in the touchdown i think he's the tight end uh i think he's the tight end one so far this week uh i mean kelsey ha- doesn't hasn't had this game ha- had his game finished yet but i think so far so good uh don't count on it this week at all uh, they won't need to throw like they did versus Arizona. The real winner here will be Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler versus this awful, awful run defense. Gordon's a running back one and could be a very uh, Eckler could be a very usable flex this week. It just hasn't panned out lately. Uh, I, I would avoid it if I could for a higher upside play, but the potential is there for double digit touches for Eckler. Like I said, I'd like to see it first, but but in theory, it's the opportunities there. Yeah, I think I'm off of Eckler. He just he hasn't done anything, even in these good game scripts. I'm not going to trust starting him until we see something. Uh, of course, you love Gordon. You're starting him here. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely don't trust Antonio Gates. We've seen that the Broncos are terrible against tight ends, and just um, you know, uh, this is a one week wonder sort of deal. Um, but of course, uh, I like Rivers here. Uh, he should he should bounce back here. Uh, I say bounce back, even though he had a 19 point game. But we've seen Rivers have some bigger games in, in uh, this season, so I do think he has a nice QB one week here. And then uh, you're certainly not worried about Keenan Allen. Patrick Peterson uh, doesn't shadow into the slot at all, and he should still be the top target here for Rivers. I will take the Chargers at home. Yeah, that was that was a rough game. Uh, Denver really gutted it out. Uh, I, I saw something online about Philip Rivers talking trash before the game or something along those lines, and you know <laughs> that's just that's just karma biting them uh, biting them in the butt. So I, I will take the Chargers here. 
Pittsburgh at Denver. Uh, Big Ben remains on the road after showing us that Road Ben does still exist. Uh, he's a back-end quarterback one versus a less formidable Denver defense. Um, Brown is a wide receiver one regardless. Nobody's benching Juju Smith-Schuster. The Le'Veon Bell saga has officially come to a close, resulting in James Conner drawing a running back one start the rest of the season. And I think Vance McDonald has a shot to repeat for a touchdown this week as well. Yeah, um, sorry, but bad call by me here. I thought James Conner was going to have a big week. Uh, I really expected Pittsburgh's offensive line to just kind of win the battle in the trenches against Jacksonville, but clearly that did not happen. And I also thought that if that didn't happen, Conner would be a PPR monster if they trailed, but he also uh, didn't catch a ton of passes. Uh, he caught a few here and there, though, and in, in my defense, uh, he should have had an easy, you know, seven, eight-yard touchdown reception toward the end of the game, which would have kept him as an RB1 this week. Uh, but regardless, you're starting him against Denver here. Uh, he's one of those top six, seven running backs you're starting every week. Uh, and I had Roethlisberger just a high-end QB2 last week on the road against Jacksonville. And I'll actually stand by that call. Uh, he got bailed out by a completely broken coverage by Jalen Ramsey on that 80-yard touchdown to Antonio Brown. And his stats wouldn't have looked very pretty without that last-second rushing touchdown and that broken play with, like, 10 seconds left. So I, I still don't love him uh, this week. I Just a high-end QB2 for me against the Denver defense that went on the road and limited Rivers to under 20 points. Um, but as you said, you're starting the wide receivers, Juju and Brown. Uh, and I do like McDonald as a mid to low end tight end one. Uh, Denver's really struggling to cover tight ends. They made Antonio Gates look like he's 28 years old instead of 38 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that was a good one. I didn't see that coming. Um, the Broncos uh, kicked a game ending field goal as time expired to beat the Chargers. Keenum was perfectly Keenum. 200 yards on the dot, zero touchdowns. Philip Lindsay rushed for uh, 11 carries, 79 yards, and two touchdowns, plus four catches for 27 yards, and I love him as a good upside running back, too, this week at home. Royce Freeman did have a rushing touchdown, but is a little better than a flex for now, more of a running back three if any, than anything else, and I tend to avoid those types of flex plays. Sanders is a fine wide receiver, too, here. He should see plenty of volume this game, as rookie Cortland Sutton will probably draw some blanketing from Joe Hayden on the upside uh, on the outside which will limit his day, though he has had uh, like 60 or more yards each week for the past uh, three or four weeks. I would avoid him again here. Yeah, not a whole lot to add here on the Broncos side. Uh, you know, good kudos to them for rattling and rallying and stealing one away from the Chargers, but uh, not a whole lot changes fantasy-wise. I agree with most of what you said here. Uh, the only thing I'd add is that this is kind of a revenge game against Sanders. Started his career in Pittsburgh, and they didn't want to pay him, so... Um, just uh if you believe in if you believe in those narratives like uh, five years ago yeah but still i mean uh you know people don't forget so true um so if you believe in those narratives a little bit upside here for sanders but certainly i like him as a low-end wide receiver too uh as for the matchup itself uh pittsburgh toughed out a huge huge comeback win at jacksonville and this should be a much easier contest for them I, i'd predict the steelers defense are going to stuff the broncos offense like a roasted turkey give me pittsburgh on the road yeah i will uh i will i will also uh take pittsburgh on the road um yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> sounds off, good he caught me off guard with the with the revenge game it's like he should actually like lay down and and like not play the game out of thanks of letting him go play in the super bowl with peyton manning and win a t and win a super bowl 
Yeah, but I mean, you know, people, it, it's like Dion Lewis, right? You always want your team to believe in you and pay you, and they didn't. He should he should lay down and, and he should lay down anytime he plays them too and say thank you thank you very much for letting me move on to uh, to the wait oh, are you saying revenge against the Patriots? What what are you talking about, Dion Lewis? Wh- what do you mean for Dion Lewis? Are you saying revenge against the Patriots? Yeah, now that cause... he's with Tennessee. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking he should thank the Patriots for putting him, for, or he should thank uh, the Browns for letting him go to the Patriots. Oh and, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying I'm saying that he was talking trash after the Titans beat the Patriots and oh. how the Patriots are cheap and didn't pay him all that. Well, he can he can just shut up. He's an idiot. <laughs> right. <laughs> My, Miami at Indianapolis, the Colts. Uh, yeah, I'm not convinced the bye week's gonna matter much here. Miami is bad. They're unreliable, and while they may put up some points versus the Colts secondary, I just don't know where those points will be coming from. Uh, Drake and Gore are flexes at best. The wide receivers are just as bad. Uh, Amendola is the best bet with just the solid floor, not a ton of a ceiling. If you need nine points on your team, he's your guy. Yeah, um, Kenyon Drake's probably going to be back from that shoulder injury. That's going to make both him and Frank Gore just you know flex plays not a whole lot of upside here uh Devontae Parker probably still out with his shoulder injury uh so like you said Danny Amendola has a pretty safe floor in PPR and then Kenny Stills is going to be a boomer bust wide receiver four uh could see some garbage time here uh with Indy likely to win this game by a lot uh that's about it for disappointing Dolphins team after such a promising start to their season all their seasons start out so promising don't they uh, the yeah. Colts, uh, luck has solidified himself as an every week quarterback one for me. T.Y. Hilton was on fire for all of our NBA Jam fans. I, I know he didn't score three touchdowns, so he's not technically on fire, but still, he's on fire. Shut up. Uh, Marlon Max, a running back too, still dominating touches despite Jordan Wilkins scoring the rushing touchdown. Uh, Eric Ebron was held without even a target, but I think he's all but guaranteed a tight end one finish versus Miami. They're not doing anything against him. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do not. Uh, I did not have a good call on James Conner this past week. But uh, remember when I said that T.Y. Hilton was going to have a big game against the Titans here? Uh, you're welcome for that. Uh, hopefully, you traded for Hilton because I think he's going to be a wide receiver one down the stretch. I have him as a low end wide receiver one again this week. I like Mac as a high end RB two. Miami has one of the league's worst run defenses, and it would not shock me if Marlon Mack finished this week as a top five running back in fantasy. Um, in the same vein here, if you're desperate uh, for running back help or as a DFS tournament play, Jordan Wilkins could have another nice day, especially if the Colts get up big on Miami like they did Tennessee and rest some of their starters. Um, Ebron should be a low, fine, tight end one, uh, low end tight end one, but He's still losing a lot of playing time and snaps to Jack Doyle. You're basically hoping that Ebron gets red zone work and a touchdown here. Um, you know, you saw last week that Ebron is very much a boomer bust tight end, and we saw that bust. Uh, but of course, again, with Miami, I'm not worried here. Um, the only concern is that if the Colts are going to be running all over the Dolphins on the ground, they may not need to pass a whole lot. So just something to keep in mind here. Uh, Doyle's still an upside tight end, too, for the same reason. And, of course, you're starting Andrew Luck every week as a top five-ish quarterback. I will take the Red Hot Colts at home, and they could be legit playoff contenders in the AFC if they keep this up. Yeah, I will take the Colts as well. Uh, Sunday night football, Green Bay at Minnesota. 
Uh, NFC North showdown for uh, the second best in the in the in the division. Like saying that, that's for sure. Uh, the Packers lost a close one to the Seahawks on Thursday night and got a little extra time to prepare for Minnesota this week. Not a ton to say here. Rodgers is a one. Adams is a one. No matter what, no matter who's covering him. And um, oh my gosh, I almost said Montel Vontavious again. Marquez Valdez Scantling. That's a tough. I can't get his name right. Uh, he remains a good upside flex with uh, with Xavier Rhodes likely hanging around Adams despite Scantling not really giving us much of the past two weeks. I'm not ready to give up just yet. Aaron Jones is a high end running back too. 11 carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown with five catches, 63 yards, and a second touchdown receiving. Uh, Jimmy Graham broke his thumb, which should provide more opportunities for both Jones and Scantling here. Yeah, so it it's kind of crazy, but the report today was that Jimmy Graham is going to try and play through this with a splint on his thumb. Um, I just I don't expect a whole lot of production for him, even if he is active. Uh, you know, he hasn't been getting targets to start with in the recent weeks, and I just don't know how effective he can even be, uh, you know, with a broken thumb here. Uh, it's very difficult to catch with a broken thumb. Um I do think that this may mean more targets for both Valdez Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown, assuming that Randall Cobb is still out with that hamstring injury, but it might not translate to more fantasy production. Both of those wide receivers are risk reward flex plays here. I don't see a ton of upside against Minnesota. Um, as for Rodgers, I think despite Minnesota's stout defense, I still like him as a mid-to-low-end QB1 here. Uh, he's just got such an amazing ability to pull plays out of nowhere. Um, but I definitely don't have Aaron Jones as a high-end RB2 like you do. Uh, the Vikings don't give up a ton of points to opposing running backs here outside of guys like Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara this year. And while Jones is talented, I'm not ready to put him in that tier. Uh, nor does he have a creative if enough uh, coach to scheme those kind of plays to get him into space. Uh, I don't love Jones here. Just a low-end running back two for me this week. Um, I do think Devontae Adams can still get away from Xavier Rhodes a little bit for at least a touchdown or something, but I wouldn't expect a ton of production for him. Uh, instead of his normal top five ranking, I have Adams as a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, but you're certainly not benching him. Uh, and as I said before, I, I would not trust starting Jimmy Graham, even if he does play with a splint on his hand. Uh, there are likely better tight end options on the waiver wire here. Yeah, that, that sounds completely idiotic to me. It's it's one thing if he's a Travis Kelsey, a Zach Ertz, a Gronkowski, somebody who's, a, who's an actual blocker. But I think Jimmy Graham invented the role of tight end who doesn't block and just cast, pet, uh, catches passes. And yeah, he may have big hands. He was a basketball player. Sure, he can make some one-handed grabs. But, I mean, all any defender that knows what they're doing has to do is target that one good hand, and you can't catch anything. That's that's just completely stupid. Minnesota's going to shut him down if he does play. Uh, as for Minnesota, they pick up a loss versus the Bears. Bad day for Cousins against a good Bears defense. He remains a low-end quarterback one option for me. Uh, monitor the health of Dalvin Cook. But if he's good to go, he should be a running back, too. Um, Chicago is just a tough defense. And, yeah, he, he scored negative and standard um, hurting you there, that's for sure. But uh, you sort of got to take your take your medicine and move on with your life. Diggs and Thielen are straight cash money. Geez, homie, whatever, you know, what the kids are saying. <laughs> what the kids were saying 10 years ago, wide receiver twos or ones, doesn't matter. You're not sitting them. Tons of upside. They get a ton of targets. Yeah, you know, 
I was actually looking at Kirk Cousins this morning, and despite, you know, that bad game where it seemed like the Bears' defense just dominated him, he ended up with 17 fantasy points, so not too shabby. Um, And you're certainly not scared of starting him against Green Bay's defense. They've been playing a little bit better, but, you know, he should be a fine low-end quarterback one this week at home. Uh, Dalvin Cook disappointed against the Bears, but the Packers are unlikely to bottle him up as well as they did. Uh, He's still getting a ton of carries, a ton of targets in the passing game. He's still a low-end RB1 in fantasy despite a bad game here. Uh, Of course, Latavius Murray is just a desperation running back five when Cook is healthy. He's getting a, a few carries here or there to spell Cook, but really not that involved and as you said, tons of targets for both uh, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Uh, I have them as both wide receiver ones here. Uh, and basically a must-win game for the Vikings and the Packers. Uh, this is a big showdown for them. They need to try and stay alive in the NFC North. And uh, they got a win here. Um, but the, I think the weak link in the passing game here is Kyle Rudolph. Uh, he hasn't scored a touchdown since week three, and the Packers actually defend against opposing tight ends very well. Uh, I would not start Rudolph here, just the low-end tight end two for me this week. Yeah, that uh, that about wraps it up for those teams. I am going to take Minnesota at home here. Um, I, th- I think they get the job done. Green Bay went out of their way to draft those two rookie cornerbacks who were very high- highly touted, but they need they need a little more seasoning, a little more time, a little more spice and ketchup before they can uh, decide to just shut down Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and Captain Kirk. Yeah, I think this should be a pretty close game, a fun one to watch for sure, but ultimately I do think the Vikings can do enough on defense to slow down the two errands here. Um, I will take Minnesota at home, and I think that if they do win this game, it, it might just spell goodbye for Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. Um I will add this, though, to what I just said. Uh, you know, as an owner of multiple Packers players, particularly Aaron Jones across multiple leagues, I've wanted Mike McCarthy gone forever. Uh, he's really been limiting their fan- fantasy value. But I will just say, remember that coaches are people in real life. Uh, it sucks to get fired, especially around the holidays. I've seen some real nasty tweets and comments about Mike McCarthy. But, you know, just remember that fantasy is a game to us, but these are real people with families to support who are counting on them. So uh, if Mike McCarthy does get fired, just, you know, try to be somewhat respectful online. Oh, you think he's going to get fired like this week? I think if the Vikings beat the Packers, Mike McCarthy is gone. Why? Because he's not getting it done. I mean, he's been limiting this offense all season. Uh, you know, we could say for years, really, Aaron yeah, Rodgers. Like, why? I mean, like, why right now and why not, like, when the season's over? Because I think they'll just think that they need to try and salvage the season. They need something to, you know, turn this team around. And I, I think they're going to fire him uh, midseason if they lose this game. It, it's a huge game for them. Well, we, we may have Munsterdamas on our hands here. But, uh, okay. All right. Cool. I Let's see what happens. Sure. All right. Um, Monday night football, Tennessee at Houston. Um, another exciting Monday night Tennessee matchup. Jesus. Uh, Mariota was injured and Blaine Gabbard entered the game. Not a recipe for success or any food that tastes somewhat good whatsoever in any instance. Uh, I wouldn't start any of this team. I think Lewis has a down day as well. Janu Smith keeps some PPR upside, but that's, yeah, this this is tough. 
Yeah, uh, yikes. Uh, it's been a roller coaster this year if you're a Titans fan. Uh, it was a rough start with Mariota getting hurt early on in the season. Then, you know, there's a glimmer of hope with the Titans improving. Uh, they even crushed the Patriots at home. And then this. So uh, they just got dominated by the Colts. And on top of all that, Mariota got hurt. Uh, it sounds like he has a head slash neck stinger. So he's officially questionable for Monday night. Um, because the Titans play so late, uh, I, w- I would not start him, uh, especially, you know, given he's been boomer bust anyway as a fantasy quarterback. And now with the injury worries, uh, just avoid the headache. Uh, I would not start Mariota. Um, with only Mahomes and Goff on by, you probably have better options uh, on the waiver wire. We'll talk about some of those options in just a little bit. Uh, Corey Davis and Deion Lewis, uh, they're boomer bust flex plays, you know, Start them at your own risk. Uh, Houston's secondary has had its issues, uh, but their defensive line is pretty stout. So there's a little bit upside here for Davis and Lewis, but I wouldn't expect a ton, especially if Gabbard starts. Um, And then finally, I guess it's encouraging that Jonu Smith has finally had, you know, a little bit of production here. Three straight weeks now is a big part of this Titans offense. Um, And it's encouraging to see that he got four targets from Blaine Gabbert even after Mariota left the game against the Colts. So I still have Smith as a high-end tight end, too, here, regardless of whoever starts at quarterback for the Titans. Yes, for the Houston Texans, uh, Houston eked past the Redskins and got a uh, get a home divisional matchup versus a decent Tennessee defense. Uh, Watson has weekly real quarterback one upside, but, you know, definite downside as well. Uh, You just got to sort of roll with it with him. He has... You know, quarterback one on the week upside. It, you know, it's hard to say that with Pat Mahomes ha- hanging around, but but he can be week to week quarterback number one overall. Uh, Lamar Miller is a low end running back two, 20 of 86, three catches, and I'm not expecting a touchdown this week versus Tennessee. Hopkins is a wide receiver one, no matter who the defense is. And Kiki Cutie came back to a line of uh, five of nine for 77 and should be a fine wide receiver two here. I thought Demarius Thomas would cut more into that value, but apparently, uh, I didn't have my finger quite on the pulse of that one. I don't know if he needs a little more time with the offense. Maybe maybe that's what it is, or maybe um, he's just depth, and that would really shock me. But, uh, well, I guess not shock me. It surprised me, but, you know, I, he's got more left in the tank than that. But I don't know. I, maybe he just needs more time to integrate. Now I'm rambling. I'm sorry. Well, uh, Deshaun Watson certainly does have QB1 overall upside because Pat Mahomes is going to be on a bye this week, so... There you go. <laughs> certainly, certainly possible. Um, you know, Andrew Luck really dominated against the Titans, but Houston's offensive line isn't quite as good as the Colts right now. And while I do think Watson has that upside, he's a boomer bust mid or low end QB one for me. Um, this is a slightly tougher matchup, and these divisional battles are always kind of gritty. Uh, Lamar Miller should be an okay start. Uh, he's the lead back for now, but again, I I don't think he has a ton of upside here unless he punches in a touchdown, maybe a little bit of flex RB2 value in PPR. Uh, of course, you're starting Hopkins, uh, but I do think that maybe you're a little down on Demarius Thomas. Maybe you should have a little more faith because I see this as more of a wide receiver by committee situation. I, I think he's still getting up to speed on the offense and that's why I have Kiki QT as a wide receiver three, a little bit boomer bust. Um, I think part of the reason he got so many targets was good coverage on the outside against Thomas. Uh, so I think he and Demarius are going to be a little bit unpredictable week to week. I still like both of them as boomer bust wide receiver threes, despite that terrible performance uh, against Washington. Um, I, this would be a close call with a healthy Mariota, but 
with a not 100% Mariota or Gabbert, I'll probably take Houston at home here. I like that take on Thomas. I, th- I think you're right. I think I was, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I'm taking Houston at home here, definitely. Uh, no matter who starts, I think I, I agree. Houston wins. Um, we have two teams on the bye this week. They're the two teams playing tonight. Um, lots of fantasy starters on both of those two teams. I don't think I have to list any of them for you. Kansas City and the L.A. Rams. Um, these guys are just so good. Just watch tonight's game. Watch the replay. Watch the highlights if you want to see some amazingness at work. We're at the two-minute warning right now, and Pat Mahomes' quarterback rating is 154.2, and Jared Goff's is 123.5. We're just seeing boatloads of offense left and right um josh reynolds got mixed in for a touchdown so that's probably the biggest piece of news is just keep an eye on him and uh, uh and i mean what's there to keep an eye on we know cooper cup's not coming back josh reynolds is a legitimate part of this offense i like him uh I, I probably equate him to about the same as like a sammy watkins on the other side yeah you know we'll talk about reynolds in just a second in the waiver wire section but he actually was you know a, a, a toenail away from a second touchdown he got really? ruled out of bounds so he's got huge that. upside week to week um he he's a definite must own for most leagues outside of you know eight, 18 leagues so uh, we'll definitely talk about him in just a little bit all right uh, that'll lead us into our um unless you have anything more to say about the bye week teams uh no uh, not not really yeah. we're just seeing a, a just a show tonight on offense from both yeah. these teams our injured quarterbacks uh marcus mariota kicks that off with that neck shoulder stinger questionable usually a pretty good recovery from those but monitor that as tennessee plays monday night um i don't know if anybody's starting him regardless uh, he's been pretty crappy. Um, sorry, pardon my French. Alex Smith with that broken leg, uh, tibula, or tib- tibula, tibia amphibia. This one was tough to see. And despite making uh, fun of Captain Checkdown at times, we do wish him the best in his recovery. Fantasy-wise, though, he's out for the season, completely droppable. Josh Allen with the elbow sprain, he's been out a while. It sounds like Buffalo is planning on having him come back this week versus Jacksonville. Hopefully you don't have to start him in a tough first game back. Ryan Tannehill with his right shoulder, questionable. We're not sure yet if he's going to play. Sam Darnold with the foot sprain, questionable, of course, but Darnold was in street clothes and did not practice earlier today. Today's Monday, so it's not looking great. Joe Flacco with that hip injury, questionable, but not likely to play this week. Even if he's healthy enough, Baltimore likely wants to see what they have with Lamar Jackson in the future. Flacco was underperforming in fantasy even prior to his hip injury, and I think he's droppable right now in all one quarterback uh, redraft formats, especially this week. I would definitely go out there uh, for Baltimore against uh, Oakland. They they have, I mean, they could start you at quarterback among and still probably win. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I haven't done too well uh, when I've had to fill in at quarterback, but um, certainly uh, an issue there for Flacco. Um, at running back injuries, we've got Carrion Johnson with that knee sprain. Uh, Detroit has reported that it is likely not an ACL tear, but he did sprain another league, excuse me, knee ligament. So he's week to week, uh, probably doubtful on a short week. They play Thursday here. Um, Kenyon Drake with the shoulder injury, he's questionable but likely to play. So just monitor the practice reports to make sure here. Uh, Chris Thompson, we talked about a little bit. He's been banged up with rib and knee injuries for weeks and weeks now. Uh, But he's questionable for a couple weeks now. So monitor those practice reports. Again, could see a lot of short PPR targets from Colt McCoy if he needs that safety valve. Ronald Jones with hamstring strain. uh, He's questionable, but it doesn't really matter here. Peyton Barber's the starter, and Jones is just a handcuff. 
Chris Ivory with the shoulder injury, uh, same thing like Jones. Uh, he's just a handcuff uh, to LaShawn McCoy, so uh, certainly doesn't really matter for fantasy. And then finally, Rex Burkhead with the neck injury. Uh, he's been on IR, but he started practicing and could return as soon as week 13. So take note, fantasy teams that are desperate, uh, desperately in need of running back help if you can't get Gus Edwards this week. As for the wide receivers, uh, started off with Sammy Watkins with that foot injury. He is playing tonight, so he'll probably be fine, but make sure he doesn't tweak anything tonight. Make sure he isn't late in the game, um, as uh, it looks like Kansas City is going to have to keep throwing after that uh, nice sack fumble, fumble recovery touchdown by Aaron Donald. Uh, Kansas City finds themselves uh, at the back end of things, heading into halftime. Julian Edelman with the ankle injury, questionable but likely to play this week after two weeks of rest. But it's the Patriots, you never know, and, and Bill Belichick is not going to give you any hints until five minutes before game time. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, thumb injury, questionable, but was able to return and finish the game versus the Giants. So unless he saw, uh, has a setback this week, he'll probably be all right. Marvin Jones with that knee bone bruise, questionable, but Detroit plays Thursday. It'll be a short week. We'll have clarity soon. It's not looking good as Jones didn't practice today, and I probably wouldn't start him versus Chicago anyways. Troyquan Smith and his foot. Um, we've got to monitor the reports. Not certain what's going on with him just yet. A.J. Green with the foot and toe. Questionable this week. Uh, he has a follow-up appointment coming, so we should know more in a couple days. Devontae Parker with his shoulder. Um, need to find out more as the week goes on. Same with Jamison Crowder and his knee and ankle. Randall Cobb with that hamstring strain, questionable, but he's been in effect, ineffective even when uh, when he's been healthy. Cobb does not need to be rostered in shallower redraft formats, and I definitely wouldn't go out of my way to start him over uh, Marcus Valdez-Scandling. Anyways, Robbie Anderson with the ankle injury, uh, questionable this week. Monitor the practice reports for progress, but I would not start him regardless. Yep, and then at tight end, we've got Rob Gronkowski with those back and ankle injuries. Uh, Gronk was close to playing against Tennessee two weeks ago, so he's likely good to go here with another two weeks of rest. Uh, but as with Edelman, you don't know what the Patriots, so monitor those practice reports just in case. Um, O.J. Howard, we touched on a little bit here. Uh, he had that high ankle sprain, uh, likely out this week, possibly more. But again, we have seen some players uh, return sooner than expected, so just monitor those practice reports. Jimmy Graham with the broken thumb, it, it sounds like this is going to be a four- to six-week recovery, but maybe he will try playing with that splint. Uh, you know, Regardless, though, I would have other options ready at tight end. Uh, I think there are plenty of options on the waiver wire that I would rather start than a Graham with a broken thumb. Um, still might be droppable in very shallow formats. I just don't see him being... Uh, you know, effective at all. And I think he's kind of a trap. You know, if he's active and plays, I think he's more of a decoy. And I think that's going to sink your fantasy team if you do start him. Uh, Hunter Henry with the ACL tear, uh, he suffered that injury back in May, could be activated off of IR next month. Uh, for fantasy teams that are locked in for the playoffs, Henry can be stashed if you've been streaming tight ends, or even if you're set at tight end, you could potentially deny another playoff team a uh, tight end one upgrade. Michael Roberts has that shoulder injury. He's questionable. Uh, he's been out for a few weeks, but just wanted to bring him up because his return could mean fewer targets for Bruce Ellington this week. Uh, and if he's out, Ellington could continue to deliver wide receiver three or flex value in PPR given that target share last week. Charles Clay with a hamstring strain, uh, likely out again this week. Uh, again, you probably weren't starting Clay anyway, but with Josh Allen back in that arm, uh, Jason Kroom and or Logan Thomas might be a work in deep, deep leagues. 
And then Jeff Swain, we mentioned uh, with a broken risk, uh, not season ending, but likely to miss at least a couple weeks, maybe more. Uh, again, you probably weren't starting Swain in fantasy, but could mean more targets potentially for Amari Cooper and Cole Beasley in Dallas. Let's talk about a couple of waiver wire ads. Um, quarterback Baker Mayfield, 38% owned ESPN, 40% in uh, Yahoo. Cleveland's offense is starting to come together, boosted by a strong run game, and Mayfield gets a great matchup versus struggling Cincinnati secondary. I personally am uh, endorsing him this week, and I'm streaming him in one of my leagues. Uh, Dak Prescott, 45% ESPN, 48% Yahoo. The Cowboys' offense is playing better, and Colt McCoy will likely give them decent field position on a few possessions. Prescott's rushing upside makes him a decent streaming quarterback candidate. Lamar Jackson, 22% ESPN, 19% Yahoo. Jackson threw for just 150 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception, but he added 117 rushing yards, which makes him a risk-reward quarterback, too, with decent floor, very decent floor, and tons of upside. Jameis Winston, 9% ESPN, 10% Yahoo. If you're truly desperate, Winston gets the start again. If he doesn't get ben, uh, get benched midway through the game, he has quarterback one upside against the Niners defense that allowed even Eli Manning to rack up about 20 points against them. Yep, and at running back, uh, we've got Duke Johnson, 68% owned in ESPN, 72% owned in Yahoo. Again, we saw Nick Chubb blow up uh, in, in against uh, Atlanta when Cleveland dominated them, but it's more than likely that the Browns are going to play in closer games or in games where they're trailing the rest of the season, and that should lead to more game scripts that are going to be favorable for Duke Johnson. He's been a PPR running back one in the past and could be again rest of the season if his target volume remains super high. Johnson may have been dropped during Cleveland's bye this past week, so add him if he was. Gus Edwards we talked about, uh, 0% owned in ESPN, 4% owned in Yahoo. Edwards really came out of nowhere in Week 12, uh, dominated those touches against Cincinnati here. So um, with the threat of Lamar Jackson keeping the ball and running it, Edwards is going to have plenty of opportunities. He's a potential running back two, maybe even running back one upside if Baltimore's rushing attack keeps this up. Theo Riddick, we mentioned, 33% owned in ESPN, 32% owned in Yahoo. Riddick's been used a ton in the passing game since Detroit traded away Golden Tate. With Carrion Johnson likely out this week and possibly longer, Riddick is a PPR flex play with a decent floor and lots of upside with Johnson out. Jalen Richard, 53% owned in ESPN, 44% owned in Yahoo. Richard continues to be used in the passing game, particularly in catch-up situations. He's a PPR flex with a solid floor, much like Riddick, although with a lower ceiling. Josh Adams, 28% owned in ESPN, 32% owned in Yahoo. Adams is a lone bright spot for the Eagles against the Saints, and he gets a great rushing matchup this week against the Giants. Should be a much closer game, uh, possibly allowing even more carries for him. Still a boom or bust running back three or flex play for now, but certainly high upside. Chris Thompson, we talked about, 59% owned in ESPN, 66% owned in Yahoo. Thompson's ownership percentage continues to drop the longer he's out, but with Washington's offensive line wrecked by injuries and Colt McCoy needing to check it down, Thompson could see double-digit targets and be a PPR RB3 with immense upside. Mike Davis, 49% owned in ESPN, 44% owned in Yahoo. And Rashad Penny, 31% owned in ESPN, 50% owned in Yahoo. Both Davis and Penny are high upside handcuffs here. Carson is the lead back in Seattle for now, but has been injury prone in the past. Seattle's offensive line is making them one of the best rushing teams in the league, and any time missed by Carson would make both Davis and Penny potential RB2s with RB1 upside. 
And finally, Rexburg had 9% owned in ESPN, 19% owned in Yahoo. Burkhead's more likely to detract value from Sony Michelle and James White rather than add a ton of value on his own, but both Michelle and White have had injury issues of their own, and we've seen that any time a Patriots running back is hurt, the other two usually produce more fantasy points. Burkhead is a potential RB3 or flex with upside when he returns in Week 13 or beyond. As for the wide receivers, Marquez Veldez Scantling, 69% ESPN, 68% Yahoo. Uh, MVS had a tough slot matchup versus Seattle and another tough one this week versus Minnesota, but he should see added targets with Jimmy Graham hampered by that thumb injury. Even if he struggles against the Vikings, Green Bay gets Arizona and Atlanta after that. MVS has wide receiver two upside, maybe more, as the second target behind Devontae Adams for Aaron Rodgers. Josh Reynolds, 26% ESPN, 44% Yahoo. With Cooper Cup out for the season with a torn ACL, Reynolds will play a lot with the Rams using 11 sets the vast majority of the time on offense. That's a three-receiver set for for those who aren't uh, aren't uh, big jargon heads, he's just a boomer bust flex option, but he has an insanely high ceiling. I'm shocked he's not owned in more leagues. Honestly, it may be a bit too late to get him, depending how he does tonight. Already with that touchdown, nearly two, as Mung had said. Hopefully, you already added him for free last week. Kiki Cutie, 14% Yahoo, 30% ESPN. Cutie promptly outscored Demarius Thomas in his first game back. While he will likely be a a bit boomer bust, we've seen Cuties upside earlier this season. And he plays Indianapolis, New York Jets, and Philadelphia in the the fantasy playoff weeks 14 to 16. All just great wide receiver matchups. DJ Moore, 32% ESPN, 39% Yahoo. Moore has been the definition of boomer bust, but his target share is trending upwards. And like Cutie, Moore has a beautiful matchup schedule in the fantasy playoffs facing Cleveland, New Orleans, and Atlanta in 14 through 16. Anthony Miller, 49% ESPN, 42% Yahoo. Miller now has four touchdowns over his past six games after scoring against Minnesota last night. He becomes a big part of the Chicago offense and is a wide receiver three or flex play going forward. Marquise Goodwin, 48% ESPN, 41% Yahoo. Goodwin has a great matchup versus a burnable Tampa Bay secondary this week and has a wide receiver three with high upside. Danny Amendola, about 40% across the board. He has an average 14.5 points per game since week six versus Chicago. Even if Tannehill returns and starts over Osweiler, Amendola should see a ton of targets with Albert Wilson, Devontae Parker, and Jacreen Grant all hurt. Adam is a PPR wide receiver three if he was dropped during Miami's bye. Mosinu, 54% ESPN, 43% Yahoo. Atlanta is likely to trail New Orleans all game this week, leading to plenty of targets to Sanu. He's a PPR flex with plenty of upside this week. Christian Kirk, 26% ESPN, 34% Yahoo. Kirk has been a boomer bust flex, but he came through versus Oakland and continues to be one of Rosen's go-to targets. He's a boomer bust flex option here as well. Cortland Sutton, 57% ESPN, 55% Yahoo. Sutton hasn't had a huge game, even with Demarius Thomas gone, but he's been a steady PPR flex with some good floor. David Moore, 8% ESPN, 10% Yahoo. Moore is still just a boomer bust wide receiver four, but Wilson is targeting him on big plays downfield and in the red zone. He has a good matchup versus Carolina this week and San Francisco next week. Brandon Marshall, 10% ESPN, 17% Yahoo. Marshall predictably didn't do anything versus Philadelphia, but with Traquan Smith not practicing today with a foot injury, he's worth a look in deep leagues if Smith were to miss any time here. Yep, and then at tight end, uh, we've got Jordan Reed. He's already 83% owned in ESPN and 85% owned in Yahoo, 
but he's a 100% must-own uh, tight end. Given how much Colt McCoy targeted him in the second half after Alex Smith got hurt, if that kind of target share continues, Reed could return to being a top three or four fantasy tight end rest of the season as long as he stays healthy. Go get him. Vance McDonald, 52% owned in ESPN, 61% owned in Yahoo. McDonald's becoming a preferred option for Roethlisberger in the red zone. And the Broncos have given up some big games to opposing tight ends this year, including that one to Antonio Gates this past week. Cameron Brait, 9% owned in ESPN, 21% owned in Yahoo. Brait has been an afterthought in this Tampa Bay offense, but with Deshaun Jackson and O.J. Howard both hurt, he's all of a sudden a low-end tight end one with upside given how much Winston targets him. Janu Smith, 2% owned in ESPN, 7% owned in Yahoo. It took nearly half the season after Delaney Walker's injury, but Smith is finally a big part of this Tennessee offense. Regardless of who starts at quarterback, he's been getting lots of targets the past few weeks, and he's producing in fantasy. You could do worse at tight end if you've been streaming. Chris Herndon, 7% owned in ESPN and Yahoo. If you're desperate, Herndon's led the Jets in catches and receiving yards the last few games. The Patriots give up a lot of fantasy points to opposing tight ends, and there's plenty of garbage time potential in this week's matchup. Hunter Henry, 1% owned in both ESPN and Yahoo. Henry's got a chance to be activated next month with the Chargers offense scoring a ton of points. Henry's worth adding if you're basically locked in for a playoff spot and have a bench or IR spot for him. Look at the game that um, excuse me, Antonio Gates just had, and that's the kind of potential that Hunter Henry has when he returns. Yeah, this one seems a bit like cheating to me here, but uh, your Los locked and loaded, no questions asked, tight end one who is unowned in your league for the week is Cameron Brait. Like I said, feels like cheating. He comes in if O.J. Howard misses time, and um, you know we, we know what happens with that offense. No, no more things to say there. Uh, as for unowned defenses, uh, New England, 53%, ESPN, 59%, Yahoo. With Sam Darnold still questionable, or even if Darnold plays, the Patriots are fresh off their bye and should dominate this game, allowing for plenty of sacks and interception opportunities in the second half. Bill Belichick just game plans like a monster. Buffalo's defense special teams, 22%, ESPN, 13%, Yahoo. They are a risk-reward play, but Blake Bortles has been awful. And it may be a low-scoring affair all around for both sides, with the game getting churned out, very short game, very low potential for points. Dallas, 26% ESPN, 17% Yahoo. The Cowboys' secondary has struggled, but their defensive line should get the job done on Thanksgiving against Colt McCoy and a Washington offensive line ravaged by injuries. Yeah, and uh, just one quick addition to the uh, defenses here. Uh, not, to sound, not to sound like a broken record, but the Chiefs defense. Oh, for um, Christ's sake. <laughs> look, they were likely <laughs> dropped uh, this week or after this week. Uh, they're 42% owned in Yahoo, 56% owned in ESPN. They're on their bye this week. But, and they're on pace to allow 46 points this week. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. This is a <laughs> terrible matchup, and I hope you didn't start them. But look, they've already got two sacks and a fumble against this elite Rams offense. Justin yeah. Houston is back tonight, so they're getting the pass rush going a little bit. And it was reported this week that Eric Berry is planning to start practicing after their bye week, and their secondary has been the biggest issue for this defense. So I'm just saying, down the stretch... They face Baltimore, the Chargers, and Seattle in the fantasy playoffs. Not the best matchups, but I think this defense, given how much the offense scores, could have plenty of opportunities for turnovers. Just my two cents. Anywho, I had to get that out there. Um, your point. Your point's well taken, and I agree. 
Um, you want to lead us through the kickers? Sure, sure. Uh, Michael Badgley, 12% ESPN, 21% Yahoo. Badgley has been kicking well for a top offense in the league, given how the Chargers are playing. Uh, we want fantasy kickers tied to good offenses. Uh, Cody Parkey, 35% ESPN, 13% Yahoo. As you mentioned last week, Parkey was primed for a bounce back versus Minnesota if he didn't let the pressure get to him, and he came through. He gets a dome game this week against a bad uh, Detroit defense and should get plenty more field goal opportunities. Adam Vinatieri, 70% ESPN, 61% Yahoo. As with Badgley, Vinatieri plays for a team with an offense that is excelling right now behind a stout offensive line, one of the most accurate kicker kickers in the history, and still looks good and has a good schedule down the stretch. Um, I, I feel even in dynasty leagues, uh, old kickers are, are criminally unowned, uh, under-owned. If you're that old and still in the league, it's because you're really good. Uh, Robbie Gold, 47% ESPN, 33% Yahoo. San Francisco plays one of the worst defenses in the league this week, and there should be plenty of points scored on both side, uh, sides. Gold should be good for uh, for at least 8 to 10 points here. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this week's Thanksgiving, so if you don't uh, have time to watch all the games, uh, don't feel bad. Spend it with your friends, your family, your loved ones. Uh, I know I'm thankful that we're done recording for this week because it means we can watch the second half of this amazing Chiefs-Rams game. Uh, Of course, I'm thankful for Los and Dan here. Uh, It's always fun talking football with these two guys. And uh, I'm thankful for uh, some big fantasy games this week uh, that leads to a lot of fantasy wins for me in my leagues. So hopefully uh, you guys will all have a great, happy Thanksgiving, uh, get to spend some time, some hard-earned R&R. But if you do feel the need to talk to us about fantasy over this holiday, uh, you can always reach us on Twitter. I'm at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I'm at FFA underscore LOS, L-O-S, and our producer Dan is at FFA underscore Dan. Hit us up if you want to thank us or tell us what you're thankful for. I'm thankful for um, friends, food, and love, and I'm thankful for you addicts keeping us uh, coming back every week uh, to talk football with you guys and uh, give us uh, give you guys our two cents for whatever it's worth. Uh, we're also available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device. I'm thankful that you can hit subscribe, and you can be thankful that we'll pop up in your inbox right on right on the front of your phone first thing Tuesday morning without having to think about it. Yep, uh, good, good, good catch there. Uh, I, too, am thankful for all our addicts out there listening to us every week. Uh, We appreciate you, and we wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. And as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit caron.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery.